Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Faith always in the Old Testament was a part of walking with God. Remember, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So when the Old Testament saints died and the other people died, how did they get to heaven? Well, they got to heaven by looking forward to the cross and believing that there was a Messiah coming. They never saw it, but they believed the Messiah was coming. So faith is not this new thing in the New Testament. It's always been there. There's no human being alive today that was living when Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Because of that lack of personal observation, you have to act on what the Bible says through faith. You have to decide that you're going to believe what the Bible says about you, sin, and Jesus. And Pastor Mark will be teaching today that although repentance and faith are important first steps, they are only first steps. You'll find out that more is expected of the Christ follower, and you can measure your growth against God's standard. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Cure for Spiritual Immaturity. Well, whatever you do as a living, you had foundations you had to learn. Well, it's the same thing spiritually. So we're going to go through these foundations, these ABCs. And let me just have you to move back to Hebrews. And it's going to be chapter 6. And just these first three verses give us these elemental or these foundational principles. The writer says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ, notice there's a goal, and go on to maturity. So there's an end point. We're headed to spiritual maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and a faith in God, instruction about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Verse 6. And God permitting, we will do so. Just circle that word will, the will. You see, spiritual growth is not automatic. It requires my will submitting to God's will to move on toward maturity. Number five, after I establish these spiritual foundations, the sixth step is this. Move beyond the spiritual foundations, the ABCs, toward maturity. We're going to spend the rest of our time 
going in and looking at these six foundational principles, these building blocks. We'll tear them apart just a little bit. And these are things we should understand and we should practice. Now, you might say, well, the writer says we're to go beyond these. I already know these. Why are you going to spend any time with them? Well, remember, repetition is a spiritual principle. Nothing wrong with going through them again to remind us. Peter would say quite often, I want to remind you of this. So we're not going to spend six weeks going through these. By the way, that's a good thing to do in a foundational class. But we're just going to go through these in the next 25, 30 minutes, give you this understanding as we move through what they look like, these six things. Good review for some, for most. Maybe for some of you, whoa, I need to make this as a foundation. Good, you'll get some of it. You'll have to do more of it on your own because this is going to be pretty basic and quick. Now, just as if you want to do some complicated math, you got to go by the multiplication tables. We don't throw the multiplication tables out when we get moving on to calculus and whatever. But I tell you, if you don't use it, and you only use a calculator, I could give you some stuff tonight, and you and I would eight times nine, and carry the four. If you don't use it, what happens? You kind of lose it. So these six things will kind of remind us of the foundation, and they're really good for us. Now, they're necessary. They're not like, oh, that's the foundations. They don't really need the foundations. No, they're necessary. This church has a great foundation. It's way down on the ground, lots of cement, lots of iron, lots of whatever. If it didn't, and a hurricane comes through, or earthquake, or whatever happens all over the world here, we'd be on shaky ground. Your home has a solid foundation. You want that. I want that in my life, the foundation. If all you do is do a foundation, though, and we'll see a picture of that at the end, No walls, no structure. What's the use of a foundation? So you do need, we're not making fun of it, foundations are a place to start, but not a place to stop. Number one, repentance. Repentance from dead works. Well, that includes basically two things. Personal sin, and what would dead works be? Trying to earn our salvation through good works. And for these individuals, rolling back to the Old Testament, trying to say, I keep the law, and say, okay, no, that's dead works. You can't ever get into heaven by trying to keep the law. It was to show us that we couldn't keep the law. So, remember, these Jewish converts, some of them were, they needed to move beyond This self-salvation. They were kind of struggling with that their whole life. This foolishness that all of us have, really, of trying to be right with God because we're good enough. Most of the world is still stuck on that one. So it is a great foundation that you and I need to understand. Repentance also means, for you and I who have accepted Christ, I still have to ask for repentance. I still sin. I'm in this work of progress. It's still a foundational part of my life. In fact, for most of us, pretty much every night or at least a few times a week, we should be practicing 1 John 1, 9. Confessing our sins and realizing that he's going to forgive me because we do blow it. So true repentance means turning away from personal sin. It describes a change that happens first in the heart, then the mind, 
and then the feet or the action. And it's this simply this change of our heart and mind that results in a change of living. How does that happen? Well, we're convicted by the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. Now, being sorry is not the same thing as being repentant. Being sorry, you have to be sorry enough to change. Michael Vick is sorry. Hopefully, he's sorry enough to really change. But that's true for any of us. You see, if you contrast Peter and you contrast Judas, you see what real repentance is. Peter, when he denied the Lord three times, of course, he was very sorry. When Jesus came to him and restored him, it was true repentance. He showed it by moving on past it. He wasn't just sorry he got caught. He just wasn't sorry because those individuals noticed who he was. He was devastated that he did it. And he changed. He went forward. Judas, the Bible says he was very sorry for the pieces of silver. But all he did was go out and hung himself. He never really was sorry enough to change or allow God to restore him. Now, remember that word repentance is essential to salvation. Repentance from dead works. The last thing we'll talk about is judgment. You don't want to be standing in heaven before God and be judged for your works. I don't want to be judged for my works. I want those works to be judged where? Already at the cross. Because I don't have enough good works to get in. And so be careful. Repentance is absolutely essential to salvation. Now, repentance is not enough. The next building block is faith. Faith in God. So it's not enough to repent. I have to have belief, faith in God. This isn't new. This wasn't new to the Jewish people. Faith always in the Old Testament was a part of walking with God. Remember, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So when the Old Testament saints died and the other people died, how did they get to heaven? Well, they got to heaven by looking forward to the cross and believing that there was a Messiah coming. They never saw it, but they believed the Messiah was coming. So faith is not this new thing in the New Testament. It's always been there. We have three couplets. When Jesus came on the scene, he puts these two first couplets, repentance and belief, they just hook together. Notice in Mark 1.15, The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent, notice, and believe the good news. Repentance involves turning to Jesus in faith by simply believing God in his word. Repentance and faith work together. It's not enough to have, oh, I believe in God. Well, no, you have to repent. Well, I repented. I'm very sorry, but I'm not too much into the God thing. No, you have to repent and believe. That's what brings us salvation. Faith is simply believing this, the word of God. It's true. Everything he says is true. Believe it. Act on it. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter how you feel. It's there. It's truth. The circumstances have nothing to do with it. We just believe it. Now, you know that when we got saved, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you know the verse by heart, but it's grace you've been saved through faith, faith, 
That repentance, it's not of yourself. Remember, it's a gift. Can't work. There goes those dead works again. So, faith doesn't stop. We need saving faith, but then our faith needs to grow. It grows. How does it grow? It's growing right here. Maybe you're a new Christian. Remember the little styrofoam cup with a little seed in it? Well, as you come to church, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Say, Pastor Mark, I don't really think that works. No, it does work. Well, it's not working in my life. It will work in your life. Well, how do I know it'll work in my Because the Bible never lies. See, the more the word gets in you and the more you get into the word, the more you grow. It's automatic. That part is automatic. It will happen. Because this is the agent that changes your life. And that's why you and I have been given a challenge by God. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst to be right with God. Where does it come from? That spiritual hunger comes from God. He puts it in us. Do you know this? And I think you understand this. The more you study and know the word of God, the hungrier you get. Isn't that amazing? I taught today just a short period of time for the... It was a good thing. We had maybe 15 or 16 different churches in the area come together. Their worship ministries come together. And we just held a luncheon for them. And our guys worshipped and taught. And they got to know it. It's a good thing, isn't it? Lots of different churches. All kinds of different churches. And they came and I just got to share a little bit. But I was just encouraged as I shared. Because I just shared from my heart some things God gave me. And just went through it. I just said three little key points. You know, the talent isn't enough. Technology isn't enough, but God's enough. Man, I felt full after I left. By the way, I didn't need anything. But I felt full. Why? Because when we do the will of God, remember Jesus said, I've already eaten. I'm okay. Because as we do the will of God, we just feel full. But you know, it doesn't last too long because I want to get in the Word again. I love to be in the Word. Don't you love to be in the Word? And see, as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed... Are we? So that faith, well, it grows the more you and I are simply in the Word of God. Now, remember I told you, these six foundations are in three little couplets or three pairs. So here's the first pair. What are we learning in this first pair? This kind of gets into a little bit of theology, but that's okay, because the study of God's good. Repentance and faith, bottom line, what is that? It's the doctrine of salvation. We'll see three kind of doctrines. It's the doctrine of salvation. We need to know that. We need to know the study of that, how it works. Now, here's a question for you. Let's see how many can understand this. What usually follows after a person repents and believes? In other words, they get saved, become a Christ follower, go to the prayer room, whatever. What is the next thing that usually follows after that? Starts with a, it's usually done at the beach. Oh, water, baptism. Guess what the next point will be in our foundation? There you go. Number three, baptism. Notice back here in this verse, instruction about baptisms. That's a foundational principle. Water baptism and spirit baptism. They're foundational. Now, as you think about this, notice who the writer is initially writing to. 
Well, he's writing to Jewish people. This is not the normal word. Baptism is not the normal word we use. In the original language, it's really the word that means cleansings. So this ought to be a picture of us because the Old Testament was filled with these cleansings, these kind of ritual rites that were taking place in the mikvahs and all the rest. Those of you that go to Israel, we go through this wonderful thing called the burnt house and we see these mikvahs and the ceremonial baths and all the different things the Jewish people did. So this is not a strange word to them. But when we come to the New Testament, for sure they learned this. There are foundations in the New Testament because we're not pretty much into the Old Testament things anymore. We're under the New Covenant. There are baptisms that are foundational. We're going to talk about three of them. First is water baptism. It's important you understand what this means. Now, we don't believe in this church, nor do we believe that the Bible teaches that a person can be saved by being water baptized. We believe that we're saved. If I could be saved by being water baptized, then that's, again, a work that I do. But let me clarify as we go through what we really mean by this. We believe it's an ordinance of the church. God gave it to us. Jesus did. And this born-again believer, also here in our fellowship, and what we believe in the Bible, although this isn't a thing that separates us from other people that believe differently, we just believe in being immersed. It's not a whole teaching on baptism tonight, but we believe in being immersed. Other people are going to be sprinkled. To be very honest... If you believe whatever, and and I can't convince you of this, and you actually believe you want to be sprinkled, and that's just the way you want to do it or whatever, go for it. As long as your heart's right, I don't believe it's the thing that's going to separate us. Do I believe that's the way the Bible teaches? No, I believe it's immersion. But I think we have to be very careful. We understand that this comes from the heart. Now, how are we baptized? Well, we're baptized like Jesus told us. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples, baptize in the name of the, say it with me, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So do we baptize in Jesus' name only? No, we do not. Because we believe there's a trinity. It's very different. That one I'll argue with for quite a while. So water baptism was taught by Christ, practiced by Christ, and commanded by Christ. Think of that word, commanded. We find it practiced in the book of Acts. We find in teaching on baptism by Paul in the epistles. And water baptism, what is it? It's a public showing. It's a public outward testimony that gives evidence that something has already changed in our inward being. A believer has already had a heart change. The repentance and the faith have already taken place. And when that takes place, the next step, we believe, is simply to be baptized. Water baptism is like a wedding ring. It's an outward symbol of a commitment you've already made in your heart. So here's a wedding ring that I have. This is a commitment that I made to my wife some 40 years ago. I made it in my heart. She didn't break me. She didn't get me down on my knees, sit on my back and say, give me the ring. I made it from my heart. It was a good thing. It came from me. It was genuine. It meant something. Why do I wear it? It's an outward what? A sign for you girls, ladies, to stay away from me. (laughs) And for me to stay what? Away from you. 
Now, as friends, that's fine, but I'm not going to drive you to lunch. That's not going to happen. I mean, there may be two murders in Brevard County. No, this is an outward sign of what? Something's happened in my heart. So why do we do water baptism? Does it save me? No. See, my heart was already gone to my wife. Water baptism, my heart's already gone to God. It's just this outward wonderful sign. Remember, Philip was called to the desert. He went out there and the eunuch was there. He got up and said, man, I'm reading from Isaiah. I don't understand what this is all about. He told him, told him it was about the Christ, whatever. Led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the eunuch said, hey, how about baptism? Philip said, let's go for it. Down they went in front of that whole caravan of people. He was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. His life had changed. You mean that quick? That quick. See, it's supernatural. So it's something that should be there. Now, why do we believe water baptism doesn't save? Well, there's many, many reasons, many verses. Here's one just to remind you. I'll read it to you. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption, salvation, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So we're not saved by water. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So salvation comes first, then water baptism. Here's something I think you need to write, and maybe it speaks to some of you. Water baptism is not a personal choice. Oh, Pastor Mark, I really don't like the ocean. And I know in the winter you do it in a pool. I'm not really into pools. Doesn't matter. It's not a personal choice. It's a command to be obeyed. And I'll just say this kindly to you. It isn't equal to salvation. But if you've never been water baptized, you're simply disobeying God. And why would you even want to do that? Now, let me just clarify, because we get lots of questions. Well, Pastor Mark, I was baptized as a baby. That's fine. It's okay. doesn't do anything for you. You need to be baptized after as an adult. Could be 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You accepted the Lord. After that time, you were baptized. Well, Pastor Mark, I accepted the Lord at 9, and I was baptized at 12. I knew what I was doing. I was baptized. Fell away a little bit, came back to the Lord. Do we need to be baptized again? No, you don't need to. If you want to, fine. Don't need to be. Absolutely not. I was baptized as a baby. Two, six months, whatever. Never been baptized since. Accepted the Lord 20 years later. Should I be baptized? What's the answer? Absolutely. Because it's what? It's a public confession of what took place as an adult. Every time you backslide or fall away from the Lord, you don't come back and get water baptized again. That's something that you just do with the Lord in your heart. This is something that absolutely you need to obey God. Now, there's more than just water baptism. There's two kinds of spirit baptism. And I'm not going to go into a lot of depth, but these are foundational. You need to understand those. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Baptism by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. This is different than being baptized in the Spirit. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about the spiritual foundations that all Christ followers need if they hope to grow up as believers. You learned about repentance, that it's not just feeling bad about your sin. You found out that the Christian life involves a lot of rational decision-making and no reliance on feelings, though emotions may result from your willful decisions. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, you're going to learn more about the fundamentals of the Christian faith as Pastor Mark winds up his teaching, The Cure for Spiritual Immaturity. You'll find out about physical and spiritual baptisms, what the Bible says they are. You'll be told about the importance of having the Holy Spirit actively working in and through you. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.